I'm Matt Bush. For BPR News, I'm speaking with Asheville Police Chief Tammy Hooper. This week, she announced she will be resigning effective January 2nd of 2019. All right, Chief. Well, thank you for taking the time to, to do this today. Uh, I guess the first question really is just why now? Obviously, in February, you really said you would consider doing this and then waited, given all that's happened this year. But uh, I guess why February uh, were you thinking about doing this? So for me right now, um, I've got about 32 years in law enforcement. And um, when I was considering uh, or actually plan, planning on going back in February, um, my intent was to transition into uh, some consulting opportunities that I had in front of me right at that time. And um, so, you know, for me, the timing was good because uh, when I looked at how far we'd come as a department in the time that I've been here, I felt like, you know, we pretty much had accomplished most of what I set out to do. Um, with regard to overhauling the department, you know, uh, just sort of revitalizing uh, our policies, our procedures, our processes, making sure that, um, you know, we had mended a lot of the relationships and a lot of the internal things that had been going on. And so um, I felt pretty good about that. I felt like we had been doing good work in the community, uh, you know, kind of engaging community folks in some of our policy making. Uh, we brought community people in to help us. Uh, with, uh, you know, our de-escalation policy. We, we've brought them back to help us with our recruiting plan. So we try to uh, talk to, get community engaged in things that are important to them. Uh, and also to hear kind of their thoughts on how they want us to police them. So that's important. Uh, so I felt like, you know, at that point that we were in a really good place. And so it was time, you know, and I had some good opportunities uh, that I was, uh, that I was involved with. So I thought, hey, you know, this, this is a good time. And so, um, I had a couple of things that needed to get wrapped up, so I, I gave my notice so that we could start the clock uh, with the plan for me to leave in the spring. And, you know, once we kind of got engaged in this, you know, big crisis, at that point I was, you know, certainly not going to be leaving uh, my department in, in that kind of situation. So um, I committed that I was going to stay till there was a new manager. We now have a new manager. Um, I'll tell you, I've met with her. I, I've talked to her. I'm really hopeful that she's going to be an outstanding manager for the city um, and I'm going to do everything that I can of course to help transition um, for her and to help her you know find the right chief to for, for her and for the department. Can you talk a bit about what you what the goals were you said you felt that you accomplished many of the ones that you set out to do when you came here um, there was also a lot of culture change and that's a pretty big thing and being an agent of culture change there's always a lot of pushback so I mean talk about what over these years um, you know what I guess really you thought was able to stick and what was tough to really fight for well you know in, internally I mean law enforcement of course does have a culture right to it and uh, I did come here as a change agent and a lot of the things that that had happened prior to me being here had to do with um, some sort of factioning inside the department around certain ideas and things that were going on um, but when I got here the the really I, I think what one of the things that pleasantly surprised me was that the uh, that overwhelmingly the people in this department just wanted leadership to take them in, in the right direction and so you know everything that we've accomplished in the last three and a half years I didn't do that you know by myself this is a, a an effort that requires uh, the officers really to buy in and to, and to be willing to to have the mindset to do it and that's that's exactly what has happened um, 
you know, our officers here, they, they come in, they work hard. This is a hard environment to be in. Uh, it's politically a very challenging environment. You know, nationally, there's, there's a lot going on with regard to things that we talk about involving law enforcement and community, and, and, and it's absolutely, you know, alive and well here in Asheville. And so when the, you know, the officers that come in here and, and work really hard every day, they're super committed and dedicated and, you know, they don't let that stuff get to them. They get out and they, they do the work they're supposed to do. So coming into an agency where I have that willingness uh, of the staff and, and all of the people here to move in the direction of progressive reform and, and move in the direction of, of changing the culture uh, and the mindset for us, uh, it really, it's not an easy thing to do, but certainly we had an uh, overwhelming willingness to do it. So that was really helpful, and I think that that's helped us come, you know, I, uh, leaps and bounds from where we were. Can you talk about, though, uh, keeping making sure the changes stick even after you're no longer chief? Obviously, a lot of what with the Hickman case showed a lot of things within the department. Um, how does the changes stick, and what's happened in all the fallout from that particular case? Is that going to affect having these changes stick in culture? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. The reality is that a lot of the things that needed to change uh, in terms of our culture and, and mindset in the department already had changed at that point. Um, we already had implemented uh, a lot of changes around our policies, around how we use force, around the mindset around force. And uh, what happened, of course, is a couple months after we implemented that, then that's when the incident occurred. So we had it, we definitely have had at least, you know, one person who was not on board with what we were trying to do as, a, as an agency. Um, the, at the end of that, what, what we saw was that our officers themselves absolutely do not condone that. They want to do the right thing and they want to, to do it the right way. And so, how do we make these things stick? We, we make it stick by putting it into a written policy and having accountability for people to follow those policies. Uh, in Hickman's case, he is no longer a police officer and never will be again, uh, and he has been charged you know, criminally with a felony. Uh, that's a pretty high level of accountability that you would expect from such an egregious situation. Um, in less egregious situations, we do hold our officers accountable always for adherence to our policies. And so if we know that our policies, which at this point uh, we've uh, revised or implemented uh, more than two-thirds of our current policies have come have come in or been revised under uh, the time that I've been here. Um, and they know that they're held to that. Uh, so moving forward, all those things are in writing. All of those things uh, within our policies, uh, we have to provide proofs to maintain our accreditation. So that's something how you that we one way one mechanism in which we know that it would continue and that we're, that the people are going to steep keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and we do have a high level and degree of accountability to the community around that too. And and you know, and this community is not going to hesitate. Uh, when they think that someone's not doing something right to bring that to to our attention, so there is a lot of, uh, I think, uh, a, a lot of mechanisms in place to ensure that we're going to continue down this road. Now, when uh, at least until a new chief comes. Now, when a new chief comes, they're going to have uh, the ability to make uh, a number of you know changes into the direction and all of that. But that's really going to be, you know, something that uh, will be part of the community's role and the city's role and the department's role in, in making that selection of who they want to be a new chief and understanding that person's mindset and what their goals are for the department. 
I guess maybe this is more just tapping into a national conversation about this, but given even the election results from across North Carolina this week, particularly with sheriff's elections, has sort of the conversation turned about things like use of force and de-escalation into these ways of officers using less force or finding, you know, those sorts of those sorts of policies has basically maybe even the election results of just this week shown that maybe the conversation's turning on that towards what uh, some of the things that you have been advocating for here in Nashville? It's hard to say on a statewide level, you know, because the results are statewide are not necessarily the same as they are here. Um, but I do think that, uh, first of all, from a state perspective, uh, de-escalation uh, is actually part of now the state mandated training for all sworn law enforcement. So the state was already heading in that direction in, uh, before uh, this election occurred. Um, I think, though, that um, for us here locally, absolutely, it's going to be uh, part of moving forward. Uh, and and the policy is a good policy, and it, it, it does work uh, despite the the incident with Hickman. That the policy that we put in place uh, led to us having a 61% decrease in use of force incidents last year, and we're at an even lower number this year. Our officers have a different mindset about approaching situations where they may uh, have previously engaged in a use of force. Now they're doing more talking and more communicating so that we can avoid that. And so I think that's the right mindset because that doesn't just keep community members safe, it also keeps officers safe. The less you get involved with having to use force with someone, the less risk there is to officers as well. I guess to phrase the question maybe a little differently, are we at the point where de-escalation is now going to become the norm as opposed to what was in place before? I think that it is the norm in most places. Um, again, it's right now in North Carolina, it's part of our state mandator uh, mandatory in-service training for all law enforcement officers in the state. So that, so it, it, it is something that's become, um, you know, very uh, widespread in practice uh, here and also throughout the country. Whether or not people write specific policy to that is a different a different issue that I can't really speak to, but I can tell you that um, for all of the work that I've done on progressive uh, reform policy, uh, and I've done some work, you know, nationally and, and as well, uh, that's what I'm seeing that, that a lot of chiefs and a lot of departments that, that really uh, believe in the progressive reform that we've been working on for the last two years or three years, uh, we're still on that we're still on that trajectory. Uh, we still believe that that's the right things to do and the right way to, that, to, to take the policing into the future. So there's a, there's a large percentage of people in the country, of police chiefs in the country, who really are still uh, taking things in that direction despite uh, maybe you know a, a less of a focus on that from a national policy perspective. Um, as you prepare to, to leave the job, how would you characterize the relationship in the three years, well, how it's changed um, during your tenure here, the relationship between the city police department and the African-American community in Nashville? Well, th yeah, that's kind of a hard question because the, we don't just have an African-American 
community. We have a community that has African-American residents, and, and, and so they, within that community, there's a lot of diversity as well in, in their thought processes and, and, and that sort of thing. We have outstanding relationships with a whole lot of people in the community and our communities of color in this city. And we also have people that are critics. We have people, um, particularly in our African-American community, who have had historically uh, very valid concerns and, and fear and complaints about things that have happened over many, many years, uh, and not just regarding police, but regarding city government in general. So that distrust is really deep, and it, and it, and it's, it has a long history here. Um, and so the, the trust that we're able to build in any capacity with particular, you know, like with the faith community or with people in certain public housing or, or things like that, all, every time we work hard to do that, and we get, we make progress, you know, it's tenuous, right? So an incident, one bad incident, really damages that and sets us back. And that definitely happened with the Hickman incident was we'd made a lot of progress at developing and, and fostering these relationships, but then we have a terrible incident and it sets us back because people remember, you know, that bad things have happened and, and we have to own a, a piece of that. Uh, so, you know, since that time, we've been spending a lot of time trying to work with people in the community, particularly uh, trying to uh, develop trusting relationships in our faith community that will help us uh, and, could, you know, sort of facilitate a broader uh, conversation and, and, and broader contact and relationships with other people. So we've been doing a lot of work with that. We've been doing a lot of work with kids in the community. Uh, we, you know, reading programs and um, different types of mentoring programs. <clears throat> we uh, we take kids to, you know, to do stuff, ball games and things like that. So, all of those different things that we do in terms of community engagement, which that are many, the overall goal is trying to build trusting relationships, and that's hard to do with the national conversation. It's hard to do with some of our local. Um, you know, people that maybe have an agenda where they don't want us to have those relationships. Uh, can you tell us a bit about, you know, you're going into consulting and you'll be doing some, some consulting for the city. Um, can you talk about what that's going to entail and what you're going to be doing? So um, certainly a lot of the consulting that I've done has to do with um, uh, sort of reform policy uh, and uh, basically policy uh, expert type work. Um, for here, for the city, a lot of uh, what I anticipate, first of all, is um, to be available to assist with the transition uh, to um, an interim chief and then eventually to, to a chief. Uh, so anything that I'm needed for uh, or that I can help with to make sure that we have a, a smooth transition is, is part of what that agreement is. And it also entails being available and, and and for me to come back for anything else that's sort of pending as uh, from 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 here so if there's a lawsuit or if there's any other sort of official uh, business that hasn't been you know handled that you know that comes up in the future that I'll be available to come back and and handle that so that's what I'll be doing here in the city I guess if you're advocating what sorts of things might you be advocating for uh, reform policies what sorts of things would you be advocating for for the city, for here? Or just in general, I guess. Uh, well, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an advocate for anything. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, my expertise is in policy. And so the 
so I have had an opportunity, like for example, I, uh, last uh, late last year, I had an opportunity to go to Somalia, and uh, my the purpose of being there was I was asked to be on a team uh, of, of of experts to look at and evaluate their national police uh, and determine if there was a feasibility for them to do a, a regional police in Mogadishu and the Benadir region, and. Uh, so that was a pretty interesting experience, right? That's the kind of stuff that interests me is being able to contribute to um, to to any kind of policy reform or any kind of like development um, of law enforcement, uh, you know, anywhere in, in the United States or internationally, where you know we we want to put the right pieces in place. So that that's the kind of stuff I I think I would look for. Hey, my last question really is just over the last three and a half years, as you look back, what really sticks out to you in your mind? Uh, so a lot of things stick out to me. One thing is uh, just how uh, really good this police department is. Uh, coming here from a major metropolitan, I, I, I didn't really know what to expect in terms of the operating level of the officers and the detectives and everything. And I'll tell you, this is a, an outstanding police department. I think this is the best police department in the state. Um, the, we have some of the best detectives I've ever worked with in my entire career. Uh, our officers are just dedicated, they work hard, and at this point, over the last three and a half years, we've done, I think, some of the, the most uh, important uh, and innovative training uh, that, that is out there. We've brought it here, we've brought it to our officers, so they do things, uh, they train on things, they understand things like um, you know active violent responses, uh, I mean, you look at what happened uh, last night in uh, Thousand Oaks, California. Those are the kind of scenarios that our officers are trained to respond to. Um, and so, you know, I think right now they're, they're better trained, they're better equipped. Um, you know, so I, that's all really good. But it, so for me, a big, big standout was just how good our police department is. Um, some other uh, really interesting, I guess, observations uh, over the past three and a half years is just how difficult it is to navigate this community. There's a whole lot of pieces and parts. There's different voices everywhere. Um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of you know, loud voices that you hear that, are, uh, that say certain things, but they don't speak for the majority of the community. But it's hard to get out and to hear all of the voices in the community. And so I feel like that's been a pretty interesting experience is, is uh, trying to navigate that, trying to make sure that you don't just hear the loud voices, but that you're going out and literally hearing uh, the perspectives and voices of people throughout the community. Uh, and so that's a challenge, uh, has been a challenge for me and, and be a challenge for, for the next person coming into the job. And then just to say in the three and a half years, the city itself has seen such growth. I mean, obviously that's had an impact on how you would police the city, right? Absolutely, yeah. The city continues to grow, uh, and you know, from a police perspective, we continue to get higher and higher, you know, requests for service. So, um, you know, we, our officers are constantly running calls for service, um, and I mean, we we don't we, we probably will never have all the resources that would I would optimally think that we should have, but it's still a challenge even where we are now, even having the um, approval to to put extra people in. It's still uh, hard to manage the workload that our officers have uh, and then still do all the proactive stuff. So the big deal with the growth uh, is not just, you know, the crime, the nuisance, the people, 
but really the traffic and the traffic safety is also a big huge piece of it and so the infrastructurally the roads and how we you know do the engineering and all that part of it it was not part of the police department's responsibility but that has a pretty big impact on what we're able to to accomplish with regard to, to compliance and traffic safety but for our part we we don't have the time because officers typically handle traffic as a discretionary function when they're not on calls for service so the higher our calls for service the less ability we have to engage in traffic uh, traffic safety measures and traffic enforcement so it becomes a balancing act for us I think that's one of the big things that uh, if I was coming in here now as a new chief that I would be looking for is how do we deal with this the, the growth and the impact of that on our traffic and traffic safety anything else you'd like to add no um, all I'll say is that uh, you know I've really enjoyed this uh, it's gonna be the uh, how you know, I'm ending my career in, in law enforcement at this point it was um, with this uh, 32 years this month and um, you know looking at uh, all of the things and all of the different iterations of law enforcement policy and, and philosophy throughout that entire time frame you know started off um, right at the beginning of the crack epidemic in the late 80s and then you know everything that, that ensued after that through the 90s and 9-11 uh, you know, it was like literally the Pentagon. So we, seeing all of the different things and watching that pendulum swing in terms of how the public responds with the police and how our relationship is over time, it's been a pretty interesting thing to observe when you back out, when I back out of that and I take a look at it. Um, so, I, you know, I'm pretty proud of uh, all of the things that we've accomplished here since I've been here. I think this department is uh leaps and bounds ahead of where we were three and a half years ago we have outstanding men and women i'm sorry to leave them uh, but at the same time i think this is a, a really good time for me to move on because i think we're strong and we're solid uh, and the department's in a good place to for me to hand it off